Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today I have uh, another Neville Goddard lecture and it is lesson four in his series of five lectures that he gave in 1948. And this one is called No One to Change But Self. This will be split into two podcasts. So this is part one of two. And again, it is called No One to Change But Self. Neville says, May I take just a minute to clarify what was said last night? A lady felt from what I said last night that I am anti-one nation. I do hope that I am not anti-any nation, race, or belief. If perchance I used a nation, it was only to illustrate a point. What I tried to tell you was this. We become what we contemplate. For it is this nature of love, as it is the nature of hate, to change us into the likeness of that which we contemplate. Last night, I simply read a news item to show you that when we think we can destroy our image by breaking the mirror, we are only fooling ourselves. When, through war or revolution, we destroy titles, which to us represent arrogance and greed, we become in time the embodiment of that which we thought we had destroyed. So today, the people who thought they destroyed the tyrants are themselves that which they thought they had destroyed. That I may not be misunderstood, let me again lay the foundation of this principle. Consciousness is the one and only reality. We are incapable of seeing other than the contents of our own consciousness. Therefore, hate betrays us in the hour of victory and condemns us to be that which we condemn. All All conquest results in an exchange of characteristics, so that conquerors become like the conquered foe. We hate others for the evil which is in ourselves. Races, nations, and religious groups have lived for centuries in intimate hostility, and it is the nature of hatred, as it is the nature of love, to change us into the likeness of that which we contemplate. Nations act toward other nations as their own citizens act toward each other. When slavery exists in a state and that nation attacks another, it is with intent to enslave. When there is a fierce economic competition between citizen and citizen, then in war with another nation, the object of the war is to destroy the trade of the enemy. Wars of domination are brought about by the will of those who within a state are dominant over the fortunes of the rest. We radiate the world that surrounds us by the intensity of our imagination and feeling. But in this third dimensional world of ours, time beats slowly, and so we do not always observe the relationship of the visible world to our inner nature. Now that is really what I meant. I thought I had said it, that I may not be misunderstood. That is my principle. You and I can contemplate an ideal and become it by falling in love with it. On the other hand, we can contemplate something we heartily dislike and by condemning it, we will become it. But because of the slowness of time in this three-dimensional world, when we do become what we contemplated, we have forgotten that formerly we set out to worship or destroy it. Tonight's lesson is the capstone of the Bible, so do give me your attention. The most important question asked in the Bible will be found in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. As you know, all of the Bible stories are your stories. Its characters live only in the mind of man. 
They have no reference at all to any person who lived in time and space or to any event that ever occurred upon earth. The drama related in Matthew takes place in this manner. Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Matthew 16, 13. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Matthew sixteen fourteen through 18. Jesus turning to his disciples as man, turning to his disciple or to his disciplined mind in self contemplation. You ask yourself the question, Whom do men say that I am? In our language, I wonder what men think of me. You answer, Some say John, come again, some say Elias, others say Jeremiah, and still others a prophet of old, come again. It is very flattering to be told that you are or that you resemble, the great men of the past, but enlightened reason is not enslaved by public opinion. It is only concerned with the truth, so it asks itself another question. But who say ye that I am? In other words, who am I? If I am bold enough to assume that I am Christ Jesus, the answer will come back. Thou art Christ Jesus. When I can assume it and feel it and boldly live it, I will say to myself, flesh and blood could not have told me this, but my Father, which is in heaven, revealed it unto me. Then I make this concept of self the rock on which I establish my church, my world. If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. John eight twenty four. Because consciousness is the only reality, I must assume that I am already that which I desire to be. If I do not believe that I am already what I want to be, then I remain as I am and die in this limitation. Man is always looking for some prop on which to lean. He is always looking for some excuse to justify failure. This revolution gives man no excuse for failure. His concept of himself is the cause of all the circumstances of his life. All changes must first come come from within himself and if he does not change on the outside it is because he has not changed within but man does not like to feel that he is solely responsible for the conditions of his life from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him then said jesus unto the twelve will ye also go away and simon peter answered him lord to whom shall we go Thou hast the words of eternal life. John six sixty six through 68 I may not like what I have just heard, that I must turn to my own consciousness as to the only reality, the only foundation on which all phenomena can be explained. It was easier living when I could blame another. It was, it was much easier living 
when I could blame society for my ills or point a finger across the sea and blame another nation. It was easier living when I could blame the weather for the way I feel. But to tell me that I am the cause of all that happens to me, that I am forever molding my world in harmony with my inner nature, that is more than man is willing to accept. If this is true, to whom should I, to whom would I go? If these are the words of eternal life, I must return to them, even though they seem so difficult to digest. When man finally, un, finally understands this, he knows that public opinion does not matter, for men only tell him who he is. The behavior of man constantly tells me who I have conceived myself to be. If I accept this challenge and begin to live by it, I finally reach the point that is called the great prayer of the Bible. It is related in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. John 17:4. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. John 17:5. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. John seventeen twelve. It is impossible for anything to be lost. In this divine economy, nothing can be lost. It cannot even pass away. The little flower which has bloomed once blooms forever. It is invisible to you here with your limited focus but it blooms forever in the larger dimension of your being, and tomorrow you will encounter it. All that thou gavest me I have kept in thy name, and none have I lost save the son of perdition. The son of perdition means simply the belief in loss. Son is a concept, an idea. Perdido is loss. I have only truly lost the concept of loss, for nothing can be lost. I can descend from the sphere where the thing itself now lives, and as I descend in consciousness to a lower level within myself, it passes from my world. I say I have lost my faith, I have lost my wealth, I have lost my standing in the community, I have lost faith, I have lost a thousand things, but the things in themselves, having once been real in my world, can never cease to be. They never become unreal with the passage of time. I, by my descent in consciousness to a lower level, cause these things to disappear from my sight, and I say, they have gone, they are finished as far as my world goes. All I need do is to ascend to the level where they are eternal, and they once more objectify themselves and appear as realities within my world. The crux of the whole 17th chapter of the Gospel of St. John is found in the 19th verse, and for their sake I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Heretofore, I thought I could change others through effort. Now I know I cannot change another unless I first change myself. To change another within my world, I must first change my concept of that other. And to do it best, I change my concept of self. For it was the concept I held of self that made me see others as I did. Had I a noble, dignified concept of myself, I never could have seen the unlovely in others. Instead of trying to change others through argument and force, let me but ascend in consciousness to a higher level, and I will automatically change others by changing self. There is no one to change but self. That self is simply your awareness. 
Your consciousness and the world in which it lives is determined by the concept you hold of self. It is to consciousness that we must turn as to the only reality, for there is no clear conception of the origin of phenomena except that consciousness is all and all is consciousness. You need no helper to bring you what you seek. Do not for one second believe that I am advocating escape from reality when I ask you to simply assume you are now the man or the lady that you want to be. If you and I could feel what it would be like were we now that which we want to be and live in this mental atmosphere as though it were real, then in a way we do not know, our assumption would harden into fact. This is all we need to this is all we need do in order to ascend to the level where our assumption is already an objective, concrete reality. I need change no man. I sanctify myself, and in so doing I sanctify others. To the pure all things are pure. There is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Romans 14.14 There is nothing in itself unclean, but you, by your concept of self, see things either clean or unclean. I and my Father are one. John 10.30 If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do... Though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him, I am, or I'm sorry, and I in him. John ten thirty seven thirty eight. He made himself one with God, and though it not, and thought it not strange or robbery to do the works of God, you always bear fruit in harmony with what you are. It is the most natural thing in the world for a pear tree to bear pears an apple tree to bear apples and for man to mold the circumstances of his life in harmony with his inner nature. I am the vine, ye are the branches, John 15, 5. A branch has no life save it be rooted in the vine. All I need do to to change the fruit is to change the vine. You have no life in my world save that I am conscious of you. You are rooted in me, and I are and like fruit, you bear witness of the vine that I am. There is no reality in the world other than your consciousness. Although you may now seem to be what you do not want to be, all you need do to change it and to prove the change by circumstances in your world is to quietly assume that you are that which you now want to be. And in a way, you do not know you will become it. There's no other way to change this world. I am the way. My I amness, my consciousness, is the way by which I change my world. As I change my concept of self, I change my world. When men and women help or hinder us, they only play the part that we, by our concept of self, wrote for them, and they play it automatically. They must play the parts they are playing because we are what we are. You will change the world only when you become the embodiment of that which you want the world to be. You have but one gift in this world that is truly yours to give, and that is yourself. Unless you yourself are that which you want to be, or what you want the world to be, you will never see it in this world. Except ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. John 8, 24. 
Do you know that no two in this room live in the same world? We are going home to different worlds tonight. We close our doors on on entirely different worlds. We rise tomorrow and we go to work where we meet each other and meet others. But we live in different mental worlds, different physical worlds. I can only give what I am. I have no other gift to give. If I want the world to be perfect, and who does not, I have failed only because I did not know that I could never see it perfect until I myself become perfect. If I am not perfect, I cannot see perfection. But the day that I become it, I beautify my world because I see it through my own eyes. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1.15 No two here can tell me that you have heard the same message any one night. The one thing that you must do is hear what I say through that which you are. It must be filtered through your prejudices, your superstitions, and your concept of self. Whatever you are, it must come through that and be colored by what you are. If you are disturbed and you would like me to be something other than what I appear to be, then you must be that which you want me to be. We must become the thing that we want others to be, or we will never see them be it. Your consciousness, my consciousness, is the only true foundation in the world. This is that which is called Peter in the Bible, not a man, this faithfulness that cannot turn to anyone, that cannot be flattered. When you are told by men you are John, come again. That is very flattering to be told you are John the Baptist, come again, or the great prophet Elias or Jeremiah. Then I deafened my ears to this very flattering little bit of news men would give me, and I asked myself, but honestly, who am I? If I can deny the limitations of my birth, my environment, and the belief that I am but an extension of my family tree, and feel within myself that I am Christ, and sustain this assumption until it takes a central place and forms a habitual center of my energy, I will do the works attributed to Jesus. Without thought or effort, I will mold a world in harmony with that perfection, which I have assumed and feel springing within me. When I open the eyes of the blind and stop the ears of the deaf, or of the deaf, give joy for mourning and beauty for ashes, then and only then have I truly established this vine deep within. That is what I would automatically do were I truly conscious of being Christ. It is said of his of this presence, he proved that he was Christ by his works. Our ordinary alterations of consciousness as we pass from one state to another are not transformations, because each of them is so rapid, rapidly succeeded by another in the reverse direction. But, what, but whenever our assumption grows so stable as to definitely expel its rivals, then that central habitual concept defies our character and is a true transformation. Jesus, our enlight- or enlightened reason, saw nothing unclean in the woman taken in adultery. He said to her, Hath no man condemned thee? John 8.10 She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. John 8.11 No matter what is brought before the presence of beauty, it sees only beauty. Jesus was so completely identified with the lovely, 
that he was incapable of seeing the unlovely. When you and I really become conscious of being Christ, we too will straighten the arms of the withered and resurrect the dead hopes of men. We will do all the things that we cannot do when we felt ourselves limited by our family tree. It is a bold step and should not be taken lightly, because to do it is to die. John, the man of three dimensions, is beheaded, or loses his three-dimensional focus that Jesus, the fourth-dimensional self, may live. Any enlargement of our concept of self involves a somewhat painful parting with strongly rooted hereditary conceptions. The ligaments are strong that hold us in the womb of conventional limitations. All that you formerly believed, you no longer believe. You know now that there is no power outside of your own consciousness. Therefore, you cannot turn to anyone outside of self. You have no fears for the suggestion that something else has power in it. You know, the only reality is God, and God is your own consciousness. There is no other God. Therefore, on this rock, you build the everlasting church and boldly assume you are this divine being, self-begotten because you dare to appropriate that which was not given to you in your cradle, a concept of self not formed in your mother's womb, a concept of self conceived outside of the offices of man. The story is beautifully told us in the Bible using the two sons of Abraham, one the blessed, Isaac, born outside of the offices of man, and the other, Ishmael, born in bondage. Sarah was much too old to beget a child, so her husband Abraham went in unto the bondservant Hagar, the pilgrim, and she conceived of the old man and bore him a son called Ishmael. Ishmael's hand was against every man, and every man's hand against him. Every child born of woman is born into bondage, born into all that his environment represents, regardless of whether it be the throne of England, the White House, or any great place in the world. Every child born of woman is personified as this Ishmael, the child of Hagar. But asleep in every child is the blessed Isaac, who is born outside of the offices of man and is born through faith alone. The second child has no earthly father. He is self-begotten. What is the second birth? I find myself man. I cannot go back into my mother's womb, and yet I must be born a second time. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. I quietly appropriate that which no man can give me, no woman can give me. I dare to assume that I am God. This must be a faith. This must be a promise. Then I become the blessed. I become Isaac. As I begin to do the things that only this presence can do, or could do, I know that I am born out of the limitations of Ishmael, and I have become heir to the kingdom. Ishmael could not inherit anything. Although his father was Abraham, or God, Ishmael did not have both parents of the godly. His mother was Hagar, the bondwoman, and so he could not partake of his father's estate. You are Abraham and Sarah. And contained within your own consciousness, there is one waiting for recognition. In the Old Testament, it is called Isaac. And in the New Testament, it is called Jesus. And it is born without the aid of man. No man can tell you that you are Christ Jesus. No man can tell you and convince you that you are God. You must toy with the idea. 
and wonder what it would be like to be God. No clear conception of the origin of phenomena is possible except that consciousness is all and all is consciousness. Nothing can be evolved from man that was not potentially evolved in his nature. The ideal we serve and hope to attain could never be evolved from us were it not potentially involved in our nature. Okay, so that is going to be the end of part one of of I about forgot what it was called of no one to change but self. So again, this was uh, part one of no one to change but self. And I will be back in the next podcast with part two. So thank you so much for joining joining me. And um, I will see you in the next podcast.